Matthew 4, verse 19. Jesus saith unto them as his disciples, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I believe this is one of the greatest topics for all Christians throughout the world. And I trust that this message may be blessed especially to all God's people. And may it be a challenge to every one of us to be made more faithful unto our Heavenly Father and to our Lord Jesus Christ in our Christian service. The incident of which we read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, tells us clearly that this was a turning point in the life of Peter. How do we know? Well, if you read to verse 10 of Luke, chapter 5, we have the answer there, quite clearly. Jesus says to Peter, Fear not, from henceforth, from this day forward, you shall catch men. Never forget these words, dear friends. We are a challenge to our soul. We are a challenge to our Christian witness. To serve the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind and strength that he may be glorified. Failure or success, which God describes our witness for Jesus this day. Let's look at this part of, the, of chapter 5 then, and we see here first of all, Peter's failure. Peter's failure. How do we know that Peter failed? We know that he failed because there was nothing in the net. Not one single fish in the net that he cast into the sea. He caught nothing. Henceforth, Peter, you shall catch men. That's the message we want to get to every believer in this subsidy. And every Christian throughout the whole wide world, it's our main aim in life if we are believers in the Lord. To catch men and women and boys and girls for Jesus. Now we realize that we can't save any souls in this world. That's the work of the Lord. God's work. But God uses humble, faithful servants to point others to Jesus Christ, the greatest of all masters, the only Savior and the one who saves to the utterance. Each Christian, dear friend, each Christian in this church and throughout the world is given a spiritual net by Jesus. He has given you a net a spiritual net and he wants you to catch men and women 
boys and girls with that name. These are mighty words, dear friends. Oh, that we may reach down into our hearts. That we may realize how poor and feeble is our service for Jesus Christ, who has done all things well for us. Some Christians here today may say, well, faithfulness is more important than success in Christ's service. Yes, that may be true. But I believe, I truly believe, that if a person, a Christian, is faithful to the Lord, he or she will be successful. What was wrong with Peter's work as a fisherman? Nothing. Nothing in reality. He did the right thing at the right time in the right place. He was an excellent fisherman. But he caught nothing. Then Jesus appears on the sea. Things begin to happen. Things change immediately. What did Jesus say to Peter? Go and look for better fishermen. Go and buy a new boat. Go and hunt for better men. None of that. It was the same fishermen, the same boat, and the same net. But there's a message behind that, dear friend. A great message. Christ's power is the cross. Everything changes when Christ's power is being manifested. What turned failure into success then for Peter? So we have it in verse 5. Master, we have toiled all the night and have crossed nothing. Nevertheless, at thy will, I will let them the next. There we have the secret of success, dear friends, in that verse 5. Nevertheless, at thy will, the will of Jesus, I will let them the next. Obedience to Christ. Obedience to the Savior always brings success. Does that come home to our hearts too? Peter might have said to Jesus, it's no use. I've been trying and trying. I've been out all night. What's the good? No, Peter didn't say that. He obeyed the command of Jesus. Launched out into the deep and let down the net for a glass. What happened? Not one boat load coming into the shore full of fish, but two boat loads so that the two boats began to sink. 
wonderful, wonderful, wonderful what Jesus can do. When, when you'll be in. Perhaps it's our disobedience, dear friends, as Christians, disobedience to the commands of Christ, that we are not being blessed abundantly. That's it. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Did Peter really want Jesus to depart from his life altogether? Never. Never. If Jesus was to depart from our life, dear friends, he would sink into dreadful sin and destruction. But Peter got a vision of the sinfulness of his unworthiness to receive such a blessing from Jesus the Master. Two things are required, dear friends, if you are going to serve the Lord faithfully. Two things. And the first is we must realize how sinful we are and that only the Lord Jesus, God himself, can make us holy. That's the first thing. We must realize our own poverty, our own weakness. And the second thing is that we must get a vision of Christ's glory. And that's what Peter got on the Mount of Transfiguration. Two things which are especially needed if we are to serve Jesus, the greatest of all masters. One reason, dear friends, why the church is not making an impact on sinners in the world may be due to the fact that the world is having a great influence on those who are in the church. God calls all his servants to come out and to be separate that we might be blessed and above all that Christ may be lifted up and glorified before mankind. Verse 10 tells us that Peter was going to be used by Jesus to win sinners for Christ, to point them to the Savior and that Christ would save their soul. We are not fit for the work, dear friends, let's be straight. We are not fit for this great work to be soul winners for Christ. What's the new thing? For seven people. a lot of you. Jesus is fit for the work. That's the message we need to get across in our day and generation. Jesus is fit for the work. He has all power. And I believe that's one of the tragedies in our day that we limit the power of God. We limit the power of God. We don't know how to spread the gospel net. But Jesus does. We don't know how to bring shores of fish into the shore. 
both ways. We don't know. But Jesus knows. And that's what we have to grasp in Christian service. So that our labors will never be in vain in the Lord. Jesus will teach us how to catch men. His power will be seen, dear friends, when all our strength is gone, gone completely. That's when Christ shows his power. Why? Why? So that people will see it's not of man, but of God. the good seed of the kingdom, dear friends, believers in Christ. It may not all fall in fruitful ground, but some of it will. God has promised that. His word shall never, never return unto him void. There will be spiritual fruit. Why is it so important, dear friends, to be a soul winner? Why? Well, if you turn to James, chapter 5, and there, in verses 19 and 20, we read these words. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he who converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. That's why it's so important to be a soul winner. You can save a soul or Jesus can save a soul from death. It is Jesus' power, his work. And Jesus will hide a multitude of sins through his death, through his blood shed on the cross of Calvary. We, dear friends, if we love the Lord, we are sent to blind eyes to say to them, See! And to deaf ears, hear the word of the Lord. And to the dead, live. That's the message. That should be our witness day by day if we are to serve the Master faith. This is one of the greatest of all prophets for the Christian life. Soul winning. Christ winning souls. Because the work and the power belong to him. Two Christians were discussing their service for the master. One of them said, I've served the Lord for many, many years and I haven't seen one conversion. Not one conversion. The other Christian replied, saying, Do you expect the Lord to save souls every time you open your mouth? Every time you open your mouth. Then came the sad reply, no, no, then that's why you're not seeing conversion. 
That's why you're not seeing conversion. You're supposed to believe in Jesus Christ, the Savior, who is mighty to save. Who is able to save thousands of souls, millions of souls, billions of souls. Sometimes you don't even believe in the promise. Is what the promise that God has given to all his faithful followers? Now that's the text that you mentioned at the beginning. Follow me and I, Jesus, I will make you fishers of men. What class of people then does Jesus use to be so with? Well, Jesus was a carpenter. Peter was a fisherman. Paul was a tent maker and a weaver. Matthew was a tax gatherer. Luke was a doctor. John Bunyan, a prophet. You see from that alone that God uses all kinds of people, all classes of people in his death. Peter was regarded as an ignorant man by many of the scribes and Pharisees and the Jews. An ignorant man. But something spoke in Peter's life to these men. And this is what they said. They took knowledge, they say in the Bible, they took knowledge of him, of Peter that he had been with Jesus. And that's the best testimony that anyone can give of any man, woman, girl or boy in this world. He's been with Jesus. Peter brought men out of the waters of worldliness through Christ's power. Christ gave his power. For God alone can say. What then did Peter preach to the people? Well, the Bible says that he preached Jesus, a crucified Savior, a risen Lord, one who could save all, notice that word, all who would believe in him. It's not all people who will believe in Christ. Peter must have had a wonderful faith. He walked on the water and he was approaching Jesus. Wonderful faith. No unbelief there whatever. None. A few seconds later he sinking. Lord save me. It was seen as if Peter was a contradiction. Notice that small one. See, see. Peter was no contradiction, but it seemed as if he was a contradiction. Open your Bibles and come to Matthew 16, verse 16. What do we read there? 
time in Peter. So we'll read a bit before there. Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, some of Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus saith unto them, But whom see ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 16. What a wonderful testimony from Peter. But you look at verse 22 and 23. Then Peter took Jesus and began to rebuke Jesus saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Christ was talking about his death, that soon he would be crucified on the cross of Calvary. Peter says, None of it he would have none of it. Far be it from thee, O Lord. It seemed as if the cross was a stumbling block even to Peter. It seemed as if Peter wanted to stand between Jesus and the cross. It seemed as if Peter had the desire to see the destruction of Christ's great mission in this world, to die on the cross of Calvary. Peter struck at the everlasting covenant. Again, it seems that Peter, it seems that Peter is a contradiction. What did he say in verse 23? Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Strange words. Strange words. To disciple Christ. Peter denied Jesus three times. What's the lesson in that? It's a lesson to us, dear friends, never to put confidence in ourselves. Never. If my confidence, confidence, dear friends, in this pulpit this morning is in myself, I might as well go home. Our confidence must be in God, the God of our salvation. The God who is mighty to save. Open your Bibles at John 21, that wonderful chapter. What do we read there in verses 15? At the end of the verse. Jesus saying to Peter, feed my lamb. Verse 16, feed my sheep. Verse 17, feed my sheep. You can't imagine Jesus saying such words to Peter after all that we have discussed. You would imagine that Christ would have spoken these words to the beloved disciple John to lean upon his bosom. Or to that great disciple to uh, James. But no, it's Peter. Feed my sheep, feed my lamb. ways are not ours. Open your Bibles and come to Acts chapter 10 and verse 14. What do we read there? Let's stop for a moment. 
Peter has a vision and he sees a first sheep coming down from heaven and in that sheep there are all types of animals. And Jesus gives a command to Peter, rise Peter and eat. And then you hear this terrible reply from Peter. Not so long. I've never done anything like that before. I've never done anything like that before. And God had to rebuke Peter. What I have claimed, call not thou common or unclean. You know, dear friends, these words of Peter always kept him from going to Cornelius and preaching Christ to him and to his whole house. Had it not been for the mercy of God. And we read a little further on that Cornelius was gloriously saved by Christ. And not only that, but all his household. And Peter was saying, not so long. I've never done anything like that before. I wonder if God is giving a command to someone in this church tonight, for this uh, morning, someone in, uh, in the world today, in various churches throughout the world, he's giving a command to certain believers in Christ. I want you to go round the door and invite people to the church. And you say, not so, Lord, I've never done anything like that before. I want you to teach in the Sunday school. Oh, not so, Lord. I've never done anything like that before. I want you to be a missionary of the cross. I want you to, be, to go on overseas service and preach Jesus to the people there. Not so, Lord. I've never done anything like that before. I want you to go in for the ministry. Oh, I haven't got the talent. I haven't got the personality for that. Not so, Lord. I've never done anything like that before. Oh, what a challenge we have as we face the Savior today. You know, when I was in Tarbuck, we had a family service there. I could get no one in the congregation to take part in the family service. When it was introduced, no one. I could do it all myself. So after a few months I asked one of the deacons to give out the psalms, that was all. Give out the psalms and the tunes. Oh no, no, I've never done anything like that before, no Mr. Thomas. I said, you try it, God will help you. I've been in the same situation myself the very first time I went into a pulpit to preach the Bible. All that. So the deacon decided he would do it. Family service came round. He's in the church and he gave out the psalm. He hardly hold the Bible. He was sitting to see Paul on the floor. Gave out the tune. He was tremor in his voice. After the service was over, over I went to the church door to shake hands with the people. And then the deacon arrived. 
the first time, Mr. Stone, the last time, never again, never again. I've never done anything like that before. Another month came round, the family service, the hand and the slip of paper with the charms and the shoes. Lifted it up. Slight tremor, but shaky in his voice. You know, dear friends, in six months' time, believe it or not, in six months' time, we had the family service. You know what I did in the service? I went for benediction. Someone gave out the psalms and the tunes. Someone did the first prayer. Someone did the Old Testament reading. Someone did the New Testament reading. Someone did the children's address. Someone gave out the information. Someone gave a sermon. Someone gave a final prayer. I pronounced the benediction. What was their excuse before they took part in the service? Not so Lord, I've never done anything like that before, but the words of Peter. God's command. Listen, friends. God's command are God's enabling. If God commands anyone in this church or any church throughout the world to do something for him and in his service, he will give the power so that you will be enabled to accomplish it. Let us take heart, dear friends. Take heart. Remember the text. Follow me and I shall make you fishers of men. I have here a little cutting from a calendar which is precious to me. Very precious. Listen. Written by a servant of God. I will go anywhere and do anything Jesus Christ asked me to do and by his grace I will do it. Because of who he is, Jesus does not tell me to do something he cannot do. God will ask you to do something which you cannot do of yourself. But this is the message. Because of who he is, Jesus does not tell me to do something he cannot do, and therefore I will tackle anything, no matter how far beyond my capabilities it is, knowing that he stands ready to do it through. Follow me and I, Jesus, will make you because of men. Open your Bibles and come to Acts chapter 4, verse 11. Acts chapter 4 and verse 11. So verse 18, rather. Acts chapter 4, verse 18. And they called them, that's those who were accusing Peter, and commanded Peter and his followers not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. They were never to speak again the name of Jesus. They were never to teach the people anything about Jesus. But Peter said it's better to believe in God 
trust in man. He held the banner of Christ aloft high, as high as possible. He didn't make a dynamic. Only one life that will soon be passed, only what's done for Jesus will last. We may not be like Peter, we may not be like Paul, we may not be like John the Baptist, but listen, we can be like Andrew. Why? He brought Peter to Jesus. Wonderful. Wonderful. He brought Peter to Jesus, and that had tremendous results. But Christ chose Peter to be a great disciple, a great apostle, a great saint of God, being the will of his heavenly Father. And I sincerely believe, dear friends, that there will be many in heaven who are unknown here on earth, hardly unknown. And in heaven they'll be near the throne. It might not be ministers of the gospel, but be near the throne, nearest to the throne. But people in the pew, people in the pew who have been supporting the ministry, who have been pleading with Christ day by day, the work would flourish and that God's people would be up built in their most holy feet and sinners brought into the kingdom of heaven. Holy friends, when my wife and I were on the mission field in Peru, I'll never forget all my life two people. Never. One, a late minister of her own church. The Reverend Ronald Fraser, who was in Macab. And he gave me a text after preaching to one man for about three months. I wonder what Mr. McLeod would say if every Sunday there was one man that was back at the church. I had that experience for three months before that. And then I got this text from the Reverend Ronald Fraser Macab. He was retired then. Acts 18, 9 and 10. Paul appears to say, Christ appears to Paul in the night vision saying, Hold not thy peace, but speak boldly. For no man shall lay hold upon me to have peace, for I have much people in this city. I have much people in this city. See the contradiction. One man. You know, dear friends, from that very moment, the whole mission field came for us. 55 to 60 in the congregation when they left. 32 in the Sunday school when they left. And all the work, listen to young people here, all the work was done by God who chose it. Who chose it. Another woman I will never forget in the Church of Scotland. She rose every morning in life at 4 in the morning. An awful showing up to my clear life. How many here get up at four in the morning to pray for Mr. McLeod and the work here in Grant Street Church? 
Christians are at their greatest when they confess Jesus. That's when you're at your greatest, dear friend, as a believer, when you confess Jesus before mankind. Then that honor me, says God, I will honor. And you keep it from That truth. There may be something which God wants you and me to, me to say to an unconverted person. If that person is to be saved, they do. Are we ready to say it? Are we ashamed to say it? Are we afraid to say it? Then the blessing will not come. to struggle with a sin of prejudice and pride, love of sin, unbelief and despair, and we are able to win hearts for Jesus by love, by sympathy, by anxiety, lest many souls should perish. These are the three things. Love, death, sympathy, and anxiety for souls. God must give us a tender heart. One thing must be sent home to our hearts, this message. But we must believe in the reality of our Christian witness. We must believe in the reality of our Christian witness. That God will save souls. Because we are endeavoring to witness faithfully for him. Through the help of the Holy Spirit of God. God can and will use you for the advancement of his kingdom. It must not be tolerated, dear friend, that Christ should be unknown, unknown, because of our silence. Persevere in prayer before you witness for Jesus. Persevere in prayer before you preach the gospel. And you, if you prevail with God, He will prevail with man. If we fail to win souls for Jesus, we fail in our greatest mission. So win. To be much for God, we must be much with God. Will that message come home? So winning is one of the top priorities. But we must always remember that without Christ, without God, it can be nothing. Nothing in the next. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter was saying to Jesus, Let us here make three tabernacles, one for Moses, Elias, and for thee. He's telling Jesus what to do. That's wrong. Wrong. We must listen to Christ telling us what he wants us to do. He must be like little Samuel the Bull. Speak, Lord, for thy servant hear me. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Jesus saw great possibilities in Peter. Jesus saw the material for a night 
outstanding life of service for the master. Outstanding service. In seeming contradiction. Outstanding service for Jesus. The cause of failure in Christian witness is usually because of unbelief. Unbelief in the promises of our God. Open your Bibles and come to Exodus chapter 3 and this is special for people who feel that they're not being used much for the service of God. For people who feel that they can't speak for God. Exodus chapter 3. Verse 10. Come now therefore Moses and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should bring the people of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Chapter 4, verse 10, I am slow speaking of a stammering tongue. You can't use me. Then in verse 12, Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. He's giving Moses encouragement. He's showing Moses his mighty power, what he will do with him, and for him. Verse 13, And Moses said, O my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him that he now will Send someone else, but not me. Send someone else, but not me. I am slow of speech and of a stammering tongue. Moses, verse 1 of chapter 4, Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Verse 31. Here's the result, he says, when we obey God. The people believe. The people believe. To believe the message of Moses because it came from God. Moses tried to escape from his mission, the mission which God gave him. That's tragic. Jonah tried to escape from the mission which God gave him when he was asked to go to commit to Nineveh and preach the word. But he was after if he disobey unless God shows mercy. Never say it can't be done, dear friends. Why? Gideon was asked to fight the enemy. 60,000 people, 60,000 soldiers, only 52,000 in the army of Israel. And God says there's too many. So many went home. God said there's too many. More were afraid. The army was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And they were beginning to feel fear in their hearts. And they went home. Gideon was left with 300 men. 300 men against 60,000 of an enemy. Never say it can't be done. It can be done. Follow me. And I, said Jesus, will make you sick of it now. Bring the little you have to Jesus. He will multiply it abundantly. That's the message of the five rules and two fifths. The 5,000 says. Jesus filled the empty net 
of Peter. Bring the empty net to Jesus today and the Peter. Bring to Jesus. He will fill it for you. But there's two things we must always remember. We must trust Jesus. And we must obey Jesus. Jesus is saying to every Christian, I have done all for you. I have done all for you. What will you do for me?